Welcome to the Empower From Within podcast presented to you by Trezal House. I'm your host, Jessica West, founder, author, speaker, and coach. Every week on the show, I share an inspiring interview with an incredible entrepreneur, author, healer, or change maker to tell their empowering story. At the end of each episode, I highlight the key self-empowerment takeaways to help you discover the limitless power you have within yourself to reach for your greatest desires and create the life that's truly worth living on your terms. I'm so happy to have you here with me today and together, let's go within. Hello and welcome back to the show. I hope you're having an amazing week so far. And if you're in Canada, I hope you had an incredible Thanksgiving weekend this past weekend. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to remind you of the virtual summit I'm holding with my co-authors on Saturday, October 21st from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're calling it Unleash Your Potential. And during this three-hour summit, we are going to talk everything manifestation from self-image, awareness, using gratitude, and becoming in alignment with the desires that we want, because that is essentially how we can bring it forth into our experience. You'll have the opportunity to connect with each of us co-authors, as well as all the other amazing like-minded people that are joining us. And you'll also have an opportunity to join in on a hot coaching seat where you can be coached from all four of us coaches and authors. It's going to be such an amazing time. And if you're interested, I would love for you to join us. I've included the link in the show notes of this episode, or you can go to manifestingwithpurposebook.com forward slash virtual dash summit to get your ticket. And I cannot wait to see you there. All right, on to today's episode. This is such a powerful conversation, and honestly, it's on one of my most favorite topics. It's all about beliefs and our subconscious programming. We get into inner child healing and shadow work, which are things that I'm working on currently in my life. And so it was so, so powerful, and I really believe that you are going to get so much out of it. Today, I'm speaking with Chelsea Cora. She's an intuitive healer, podcaster, speaker, and divine messenger. In 2018, she had a spiritual awakening that empowered her to let go of toxic relationships, alcoholism, her job as a stripper, and a myriad of negative beliefs that cause negative behavioral patterns. She had embarked on a powerful inner work journey involving inner child healing, shadow work, and subconscious reprogramming. Now, she's thriving as a spiritually awakened entrepreneur. She helps her clients transform their lives from the inside out and awaken to the limitless reality that is available to all of us. Chelsea shares parts of her story with us today and explains the power of inner child work and shadow work. We also chat about how healing our inner world and manifestation go hand in hand. We both believe that this deep inner healing is something that's missing in today's manifestation world. It's commonly not addressed. We tend to try to fix things on a conscious level when change really happens on a subconscious level. And so I'm really so glad that we got into this topic today. And without any further ado, let's dive in. Please help me welcome Chelsea Cora. Hi, Chelsea, and welcome to the Empower From Within podcast. I'm really so happy to have you here today. I think we're going to have such an amazing conversation because it sounds like 
we really have similar missions in life, which is really to help people do the inner work to empower their life and manifest what they want, what they truly desire. For starters, like, how are you doing today? (laughs) Yeah, thank you, Jessica. I'm really excited to be on the show. And I agree, it feels super aligned to be sharing our message with people together, but I'm doing great. Really happy to be here. Yeah, awesome. Good. I'm so glad to hear it. I guess before we hop into everything that I want to talk to you about today, do you want to start off with telling us a little bit about your background story and how you got into this work as an intuitive healer, you know, a tarot card reader, a podcaster, speaker, and a divine messenger? Absolutely. Thank you for that question. So my story begins in Flint, Michigan, or a suburb of Flint, Michigan. That's where I grew up. And I grew up in pretty much a well-resourced or wealthy home. So both of my parents themselves came from very humble beginnings. They grew up very working class, but later on in life, they were able to make a lot of money in their real estate profession. And so me as the youngest child of four, by the time I came into the family, pretty much all of our material needs were taken care of and then some. However, looking back on it, I'm able to recognize that while my material needs were met and taken care of, my emotional needs weren't. And although I know that my parents had the best of intentions and they did everything that they could do with the knowledge and tools that they had at the time, there were still some levels of dysfunction in the household. For example, there were patterns of alcoholism and codependency and this culture of not really talking about our feelings or not talking about topics that are quote unquote uncomfortable or maybe societally un accepted such as sex exploration and things of that nature. So I did grow up with a level of repressing my feelings and shutting down whenever I felt uncomfortable. And so this led to some serious emotional issues later on in life. And they started to surface when I was around 12 years old is when I started to self-mutilate. I would feel depressed Um, I actually was institutionalized by the age of 14, which is the same age that I started to drink alcohol myself and also um, smoke weed and things like that. And so I actually went to a mental hospital at that age and was officially diagnosed with depression. I was on medication and this just kind of snowballed into my teenage years and into my early 20s until by the By the time I moved out of my parents' home um, at age 17, almost 18, I was pretty dependent on opioids, and I sustained that addiction for a couple of years. I eventually moved to Texas when I was like 19 because I had a sister who was living here, and whenever I came to Texas to visit her, I really enjoyed it. And I just wanted a change. Looking back in retrospect, I can see that I thought that I was like running away from my problems. But as the saying goes, you know, wherever you go, there you are, right? So it's like wherever you go, your internal world goes there with you. And so you're going to recreate the same patterns. It doesn't matter what the environment is. And I ended up getting into a really toxic and abusive relationship for four and a half years. And once that was over, I got into stripping and sex work. And I did that for four years. The first two years, I was 
like totally spiraling down this spiral of addiction and continuation of mood disorder. But then I had a breaking point where I decided to get sober. And so the next two years of dancing, exotic dancing, I was sober and I started to confront a lot of my inner turmoil at that point. Because what I started to realize when I went to AA and started doing the 12-step program of recovery was that I was kind of trading out these older coping mechanisms of drinking and doing drugs for newer coping mechanisms of going to meetings and talking to my sponsor, but they were still coping mechanisms. And at some point, if I wanted to transcend the emotional instability, the codependency and all of the toxic patterns that were still present in my life, I would have to do some deeper healing work. And so I came across the presence of an intuitive healer, a sort of alternative shamanic healer who began taking me on these guided meditative journeys where I was actually revisiting moments of my childhood where I had an unprocessed emotional experience or childhood trauma, and I was able to heal it at the subconscious level rather than trying to heal it at the conscious level, which is what 12-step programs and therapy kind of attempt to do. And so from that point on, my whole life changed because I changed my inner self. I did the inner work. You know what I mean? So that's like a really concise nutshell of how I got into the work I'm doing now, because that led, of course, to me transitioning out of dancing and getting out of the next partnership that I was in that wasn't totally aligned. And now I'm living the life that I live now, which, as you mentioned, you know, I I engage in all these really soulfully aligned services to help other people be guided on that own pathway home to themselves. Mm-hmm. Like so incredible. I mean, concise, but oh my God, jam packed with so much stuff. Like, thank you for sharing all of that. And I want to touch on a few things that you mentioned primarily, like running away, like feeling like you're running away from yourself. And you know, there's that common quote, like the grass isn't always greener on the other side. And there was one um, quote, I think it was Earl Nightingale that said it, said it. And he said, like, if the grass is green on the other side, maybe it's because that person's actually watering it meaning that like, you're just not watering your grass on your side. You're not actually doing the inner work and taking care of yourself and nourishing yourself. Instead, you're just looking outside, trying to run away. And like, it's spot on because like when you run away, the problems keep arising because everything originates from within. And so if we don't start dealing and uncovering like those unconscious patterns, they would just show up anywhere we go. Like we're taking all of that with us. And so, and I do also want to ask just because I love the saying too, that like when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And so when you first found out about like deeper healing, when you first came across like the first kind of teacher that you went to work with, do you feel like, did you have to get to a state where like you were ready for that? And then it appeared, or were you really like, actively looking for ways to get yourself out of kind of the mess that you were in? Mm, I think that's a good point. That's a great question. And I love that idea about the grass is greener because maybe the person is actually watering it and taking care of it. I hadn't heard that before. That's awesome. Yeah. But by the time I found the healer, I guess it kind of was a process of becoming ready because I tried a lot of other things before that, right? I was going to 
Alcoholics Anonymous. And when that wasn't really making me feel sustainably better, I started going going to talk therapy. And that wasn't making me feel sustainably better. I went to a life coach and it was just the same thing, right? It's like, I would come with my problems and my issues and I might get some tools that would help me feel better for a little while, but the problems would always resurface. And it was almost like playing a never ending game of whack-a-mole, right? It's like, okay, I'm, I'm getting things together in my relationship, but now my job is making me feel terrible, right? Or, you know, okay, I found a way to cope with my job. Now these other things that are popping up in my family or friend life are are triggering deeper issues within me. And so instead of going to the root, I was dealing with them on the surface. And I think that I had this idea because there was so much distance between where I was and where I wanted to go because I was working at this strip club, but I had so much more potential, I think, than just going to this dimly lit bar day after day, convincing customers to buy lap dances from me. And I feel like the universe or life is always talking to us and guiding us and giving us hints about our journey And sometimes this guidance can come in the form of repeated feedback from people around us who are maybe seeing things within us that we're not able to see in ourselves. And I would get a lot of feedback either from people in AA or actual people at the strip club, like customers, telling me that I could be a public speaker because I would always talk about spirituality and personal development. And they were giving me the feedback that the way I would talk about it was pretty inspiring. And so I felt kind of stuck because it's like, well, I wish that I could be a public speaker. I wish I could be um, a healer or something really cool like that, but I don't know how to get there. And every time I tried, I would engage in these subconscious patterns of self-sabotage. You know, and so I had this idea that if I, if I could just get the right career coach, the right business coach, then they would give me the blueprint to get to where I want to go. But I had to get to that absolute breaking point moment where I was like, actually, I just need to heal. I just want to feel okay. Right. And then when I started working with the healer and I started to dive deeper into my own psyche to heal my childhood wounding, to integrate my shadow parts, then all of a sudden I started becoming an energetic match for that life that seemed so far away from me before. And so it wasn't about having some external blueprint to get there. It was about going in and doing the inner work necessary to literally change my reality from the inside out. So, yeah, I think that I had to be ready for the teacher to appear. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I love that because, you know, everything that you're saying, because so many of us look outside of ourselves and think that we need more, we need more, we need the next thing. We need the, you know, the blueprint, the tools, all of that, but we really do have everything within ourselves and we can become that match to what it is that we need. So when we start you know, doing the work or looking at the tools, then it feels so much more aligned. It feels like we're going downstream as opposed to like struggling and trying to chase something and make something happen. Right. And so can we talk a little bit about like, what kind of inner child work did you do and, and shadow work? Like, can you explain a little bit more about what are those, what is it all about? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So with 
child work or childhood trauma, right? I had a pretty big misconception about what actually constitutes childhood trauma. And I think that a lot of us do in this culture, because I thought that some in order for something to be considered a trauma, it had to be like a really big deal, a really big event, you know, like a parent leaving the family, parents getting divorced, physical abuse, sexual assault, neglect, all of those things. And those things definitely do constitute trauma. But I learned that a trauma is really any unprocessed emotional experience from childhood. And it could be something very small, like having your emotions dismissed by your caregiver or your caregiver being unavailable when you needed them. Basically, any time that you didn't get a need met, which happens all of the time, because I think in our culture, we are pretty emotionally unaware, right? We're, most people are kind of conditioned to not even listen to their own emotions. So how are they going to be able to listen to the emotions of a child? So I didn't really understand why I had so many dysfunctional patterns in my adult life, because I looked back at my childhood through the lens of comparison and said, well, I didn't have have it nearly as bad as some of these other people who are in this 12-step recovery program that I'm in. So I don't think that I have anything to complain about. But what I learned from working with the healer who I worked with is that actually comparing traumas is not useful. Everybody's experience is valid, period, right? And so when I started to do this inner child work with her, basically she would get me into a meditative state and we would kind of ask my soul, like, what is the area of my timeline that needs healing today? And I would literally travel in that meditation to some event that happened when I was a child. And I may or may not have been consciously aware of it, but it was a point where something happened that was unprocessed. And so a part of me was stuck in that event because I wasn't able to make sense of whatever was happening. And that's a common phenomenon for children ages zero to eight or maybe 14. Those are when all of our core traumas happen because especially ages zero to eight, our brain isn't fully developed. And so we lack the ability to discern information or rationalize the events around us. We're just taking it for face value. So if we feel dismissed by a parent, like an example is, let's say that um, a child, a small child, maybe they're like four or five years old, is watching their sibling opening up presents on their birthday and getting all of the attention. And they're over here not getting any attention. And there's this cultural understanding that they're getting their attention because it's their birthday. But as a four or five year old child, you don't really understand what's happening, you know, and your brain isn't fully developed. So you don't have the capacity to rationalize, okay, it's their birthday or what birthday even means. And so all you know is you're just feeling unworthy because you're you're not getting any of the attention that your sibling is getting. And when you have an emotional reaction about it, your parent might say, no, don't worry. It's okay. You're going to get presents on your birthday. Let them have their fun. And you still might not be able to conceptualize what's happening. You just know that you're not feeling good and your parent invalidated that feeling, right? Instead of being with you in that feeling and making it okay to have that feeling. And so that actually constitutes a trauma, Right. And so if you can imagine what seemingly little of an experience that would be, you can imagine how most of our childhoods are filled with traumas. 
And so the work that we did was kind of going back to to moments like that moments, you know, and I can give an example from my own experience, too, which is I remember going back to a time when I was five years old and I was kind of viewing it from a third person perspective, but I kind of saw how all of the older family members, you know, my siblings and my parents, they they treated me kind of like a doll, right? Because I was the youngest in the family and I was all cute and they loved to play with me and have fun with me when I was being cute. But if I wasn't being cute, if I was unhappy or sad or grouchy, it's like they didn't want to have anything to do with me and they just dismissed me, right? And so somehow in that experience, I learned that I'm only valuable and worthy if I'm performing for other people. And in that that session in that child work session i was able to see how that impacted my adulthood and my subconscious desire to become a stripper you know because i was able to feel value in engaging in that performance for other people but really i don't think any of us should be getting our value from anything external right intrinsically as human beings we have value and we should make our vocation or our life path about things that we are really deeply soulfully passionate about right and so it it took going back and healing a lot of instances like that there's a whole variety because i did that work for a couple of years you know, but is able to kind of do these soul retrievals where I'm taking back parts of myself that got lost in the past in order to become more whole in the present. So that's the inner child work part. And then when it comes to shadow work, um, the shadow is a concept that was put forth by the psychoanalyst Carl Jung. And it's basically the shadow is called the shadow because it's all of the parts of our own self, our own psyche that we are unconscious of. And so these are parts of us that we have habitually, whether consciously or not consciously, rejected, suppressed and denied throughout our lives. And it goes back to this idea that some ways of being and showing up in the world are more desirable than others. Right. So I just talked about the example. If I I was unhappy or grouchy. It felt like the love from my family was withdrawn from me. And so it felt like being those things were bad. And this happens to all of us, right? Like we feel like if we have a, a negative emotion, we start crying or we get angry that people, you know, parents, they're not going to reward that behavior, quote unquote. And so it feel it, but the way that we experience it as children who are not able to rationalize this idea of rewarding good versus bad behavior is that, okay, part of me is wrong and bad. And so we try everything we can to not be that. So that way we will continue to get that love from our caregivers that we need to survive. Right. And so by the time we get to adulthood, there are many areas of ourselves that we have rejected, suppressed and denied, and they don't actually go away or disappear from us. They just go into the shadow parts of our psyche. Right. And so when something is existing in the shadow part of our psyche, it's likely to actually come out in a way that's very dysfunctional, like somebody who um, like has this an outburst of anger right? Might be because they had to repress their anger and act like they, they didn't have anger growing up, for example, or somebody who has a sexual perversion might be the product of a sexually repressed childhood. And so for me, um, there's all kinds of character traits that I had in the shadows, you know, that once I was able to sit with and be like, okay, I am 
these things that previously I labeled as wrong or bad, they're able to come into the light and not have so much control over me, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And you did such a great job at explaining all of that. Thank you so much. One of the questions that I was going to ask you is like, how does unprocessed um, childhood trauma manifest itself in our adulthood? And you also explained that like beautifully and perfectly. I think that makes so much sense. So can we talk about how, because I know this is something like that you're doing like on your YouTube channel and with your podcast is just trying to really bring this information more into people who are trying to manifest. But if we have those unprocessed emotions, well, that's a little difficult. Like we need to be able to address these first. So can you talk about how, like, how can not processing these affect like what we're trying to manifest and like why it's so important to do the inner work first? I mean, you kind of just said it. It's like reaffirming what you what you said, but what kind of tools do you offer people to begin doing that inner work today so that they can start to, you know, make the unconscious a little more conscious so that they can set themselves up for success through their manifestation journey? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. And there's a lot more to be said on that topic. You know, it's like we all have these deep deeply rooted belief systems that dictate who we think we are, how the world works, and what we think we can even expect from life itself. And these were formed in childhood. And so when we are trying to manifest something, which I feel like popular manifestation rhetoric kind of focuses on this idea that if you just visualize the thing that you really want, then no matter what it is, it's going to come into your life, right? And so a lot of people try to do that, and maybe it doesn't really work. But we're reading all the stories about people who were able to do that. And so we still feel like on some level, if I can just manifest it, it's going to happen. And I did this for like 10 years without ever really getting results. But I always like had this hope that it was that I was going to be able to manifest the life that I wanted somehow. Um, but it wasn't until I started doing my inner work. Because the thing is, is that we the law of attraction is always working, right? And so whatever is currently in our reality is a product of our own subconscious. But the thing is, most of us just don't know what's in our subconscious. You know, that's why it's different from the conscious level. And so consciously, we might be trying to call in a certain lifestyle, but subconsciously, we're an energetic match for the lifestyle that we already have. You know, and so I, I once heard this described as like an internal thermostat. And this is from the book, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. He talks about how we have this internal thermostat thermostat that gets set during childhood. And so let's say that and this thermostat dictates the amount of love and success and fulfillment that we can actually allow into our lives. So if this thermostat gets set at a certain number, like let's say 75 degrees Fahrenheit, because I live in the US, <laughs> then if you if you are reaching for better things and you want that thermostat to go up to, you know, 100 degrees then it's going to kick on and it, you're going to do things to subconsciously sabotage those efforts and it's going to come back down to 75. 
right? So in order to truly become an energetic match for the things that we want, we have to, like you said, make the unconscious conscious and gut out whatever is in that subconscious mind in order to make that an energetic match, right? Because it's like our conscious mind is like the iceberg, you know, like the in popular psychology, they have that iceberg imagery where the tip, like 5% of it is above water and the other 95% is below water. And so if you're using 5% of your energy to call in the lifestyle that you truly desire, but then 95% of your energy is an, a match to the exact opposite, then what do you think is going to come, Right. And so the tools that I offer people to kind of transcend that conscious subconscious barrier are really the things that I just talked about, kind of going in and having that inner child wounding being remedied or understanding what are the the shadow parts. And so I do that through one-on-one session work with clients, but I do recognize that the same medicine is not for everybody, you know, and everybody is going to have a different pathway to healing and it really is an intuitive journey. So it's about having the willingness to get honest about, you know, what are the the parts of me that are not in alignment with what I want to manifest and what is the work that I need to do and opening yourself up to whatever modalities are calling you. And it could be breath work. It could be the emotional freedom technique. It could be plant medicine. It could be having a strong meditation practice. You know, there's all kinds of ways that people can heal and transform and transcend, but it really is an individual journey. Yeah, I totally 100% agree. And I love that you listed off some of those different modalities, because that's essentially what I'm trying to do with this podcast. Like we have an inner work series where I just want to share different inner work practices so that the listeners can choose which one sounds good to them and just do a little bit more further exploration, because you're absolutely right. It is different for everyone. And I love that you mentioned the example of the thermostat, because I talk about that quite a bit on the podcast as well, in terms of your self-image, which is really the deep beliefs that you hold of yourself, right? And, you know, if you continue to hold those beliefs in that subconscious mind, and that's what you, what you're thinking about, what you're vibrating at, well, then that is what you continue to experience in your life. And I can totally relate to you spending some quite some time in the personal development industry, because that's what I found with myself too. And when it's all about manifestation and it's all like out there and set the goals, set the goals. But then again, if you don't heal what's on the inside, then it just, it's not sustainable. And sometimes I feel like, and I'm curious if, you know, you've experienced something similar that sometimes you can get caught up in like trying to maybe manifest something that's not really aligned with yourself and you don't actually know what is aligned with yourself until you start looking a little bit backwards and starting to notice the things that happen throughout your life. Because I really believe that like our mission or our why or the light that we want to shine, you know, our purpose that we came forth in this reality for has always been trying to be expressed by us. And we can kind of see like the little sparkles of light or like the breadcrumbs by looking at our past. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a really big point, too, is, you know, sometimes we have these 
visions of what we want for ourselves. But if we take a deeper look, we realize that those are kind of ego-driven desires, right? They're kind of like desires based on our programming and our conditioning of what we have been told is a model for success and happiness and fulfillment, but we're all individuals and that's going to look different for all of us. And so I think it can also be a lot more difficult to manifest something that isn't really aligned with our authentic self, but it can be a lot easier to manifest things that are aligned with our authentic self. And so we do have to do that work of uncovering, well, what is my authentic self? Because most of us are walking around with these layers of programming and conditioning. You know, we we grow up from, from the day that we enter this world, we begin packing on the beliefs and ideas of our family or our culture, you know, or society at large about what it means to be valuable, lovable, beautiful, and worthy. And so intrinsically or subconsciously, we're striving for those things when really the things that, you know, actually make us genuinely feel good and light us up might be totally different from that. And so I like what you're saying about going back to the past, because there are a lot of clues in our childhood, right? Because when we are a child, we are kind of living in an era before we we fully step into the indoctrination of adulthood and all of those societal ideals right and so our our child self has a lot of wisdom about our authentic self because we're closer we're closest to our authenticity when we're a child and so if we look back and we see what are the things that I was drawn to as a child we might find that actually those are similar things that are meant for us to be exploring in adulthood. And we could be very successful in those things, you know, if we were open enough to give it a try. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love everything that you're saying. And I, I love everything that you're sh- say, sharing too, about like the inner child work and the shadow work. And I'm wondering if we can share something like in your opinion, what was it that really like helped you something that listeners can take away today to begin doing that inner work, but something simple. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of like what you said is like being aware of your inner world. So I think that starts with getting quiet and tuning into your inner world and just being totally open and not having any expectations about what you might find there, you know? And I think that, it's a listening process, you know, because the mind is going to go off and say a whole lot of different things. But if you're able to observe and acknowledge the mind and not get very identified with it and just get, you know, be in that observer perspective, then you might get a lot of insight that you may have not expected. And another tool that I love is connecting with nature. If you have it available to you, going to a place that has a lot of nature, like it's a park or a trail or something like that, and also engaging engaging in that listening process. Because although we live in a world where we're conditioned to believe that humans have some sort of superiority over the beings of nature, actually nature has a lot of wisdom. And I feel like they are closer to spirit than humans are, you know, because they, they have the innate ability to just 
be and to just move with this natural harmonious flow of life that could move us in a similar way if we weren't so caught up in the antics of the mind and the ego. So maybe that's something I would suggest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great suggestion because you're right. Like they don't really have the conscious or ego mind that we have that we can really distract ourselves from that true connection. But you're right because getting quiet, I mean, our true self is always there whispering to us like all of the time. And we just have to get quiet and listen to it and then take that direction because as we start taking those movements, trusting those whispers, like they'll get louder and louder. And then we can really know how to follow, but it takes practice, right? It takes that first step. So Chelsea, I love everything that you shared today. And do you want to let listeners know where they can find you if they want to follow you and hear more? Yeah, absolutely. So I have my website, which is chelseacora.com. And then on Instagram, I am at I am Chelsea Cora. And then on YouTube, you can just look up Chelsea Cora and you'll see my channel as well as my podcast, which is called the Soulful Self Podcast. Okay, amazing. I'm going to be sharing all of those links in the show notes of this episode today. So thank you again so, so much, Chelsea, for being here. It was so great chatting with you. Thank you. I love this. You have a very warm and inviting container. So it was awesome to be a part of this. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to hear that. Like I said, that was such a powerful conversation relevant to all of us. And I hope you got value out of it. Here are today's self-empowerment takeaways. One, we cannot run away from our challenges. Wherever we go, we're bringing those challenges with us. And so we really need to start healing from within first. Two, healing must happen on a subconscious level. All of the beliefs that we hold are in the subconscious mind. And so we need to start addressing those if we ever want sustainable change. Three, the solutions to our challenges are not outside of us, but within us. And this is really such an important point that I want to spend a couple moments on this because the solutions to whatever it is that you're facing right now is not in the next book, not in the next podcast episode, not in the next course or program or retreat. It's within you. And sometimes we can get caught, and I'm mentioning this from you know firsthand experience, that we can get caught just wanting more and more and more and more and learning more and learning more, but not actually applying any of the tools that we're learning. We can learn so much on a conscious level, so much about healing, so much about you know the way to do it and the good tools, but if we're not actually going to start using those tools, if we're not going to start putting what we know into practice then no change is going to happen because the solution to everything that we want is within us. When we start healing our inner world, our outer world will respond accordingly. Four, all experiences are valid, no exceptions. So do not compare yourself to others, whether it be for positive experiences or negative experiences or progress. Just do not compare. When we do this, we are invalidating our own feelings. Five, inner healing precedes sustainable manifestation. I've been saying this throughout, but I'll say it again. 
everything begins within. And we really need to start healing ourselves at the subconscious level, rewriting some of those deep beliefs that we've been carrying along with us since childhood. If we want to create sustainable change in our lives, and if we want to manifest a lot of the times, if we don't rewrite those beliefs, we can end up self-sabotaging ourselves, not being aware that self-sabotage is really how our subconscious mind expresses a need that isn't met. And so let's address those first, and then our manifestation can come to us so much quicker. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I would love to hear your takeaways as always. So please consider leaving a rating and review of this podcast on the podcast platform that you're listening to right now. If you're listening to it on Spotify, go ahead and answer the question that I had asked within the episode page itself. I asked, what is your biggest takeaway from this episode? If you answer it, I will give you a shout out on the next episode. And if you're watching this on our YouTube channel right now, please go ahead and leave a comment. I cannot wait to hear from you. Thanks for spending some time with me today. And until next time, stay empowered. Thanks for being here. I hope you got just as much value out of today's episode as I did. If you feel called, please leave a rating and review of this podcast and share this episode with someone who you feel would benefit from the conversation we had. It's going to help us reach more people. And this is just one way that we can all help empower each other from the inside out.